So Keith, is radio swagger finally gone? Pete Benedetti has an interesting personnel move uh, that we want to talk a little bit about. And Paramount, as you so succinctly put it, is making being a local CBS ad rep kind of a tough situation. You were a little more blunt about it, but let's be polite. It's a tough situation. Good morning. We are back with another episode of Media Insultant. We do this each Tuesday and Friday. It's our comments and thoughts and ideas about what's going on in the media space, primarily radio and TV and the, and the sales roles that uh, evolve around that. I'm back in the Pacific Northwest in Seattle. I'm Jackson Weaver, and my co-host is Keith Samuels in California. Keith, good morning. Good morning, Jackson, and it's a Kirkland kind of day here in L.A., so yep, June gloom is upon us. Well, in, enjoy it. The sun will be back. We do this each Tuesday and Friday, so today we'd like to welcome you to the Tuesday, May 24th edition of Media Insult. You know, Keith, since we started Media Insultant, we have talked about a wide variety of media, but, you know, lately it's come become apparent to both of us that we really need to do a little better job of focusing, focusing on, I think, mostly our radio and TV brethren who have been involved in sales or management or, you know, run groups of stations or something along that line and spend a little less time on print and some of the digital technology and that kind of thing. But I think what we want to focus on, want people to know, is that our focus is about local radio and TV media and then anything that is ancillary to that. So if digital affects that, that's great. If films affect it, we'll talk about that. So that's my thought. What, what you, how would you define who our audience is at Media Insultant? Well, people, people who sell commercials for television and radio stations primarily, uh, both locally, nationally, and network. And I think the idea is for us is that we want to explore the the issues in media that are affecting our local, national, and regional sales folks. So it's you know folks on the street, the people that are managing them, and the people that are managing the managers. So all the way up the food chain, from the from the uh, people beating the streets to uh, the people uh, in the uh, C-suite. But looking beyond the news to say, okay, so how does what's what's going on out there that's affecting you know, who I'm selling to and affecting how I sell and affecting the affecting how I'm managed, uh, I think is really important. So that's where we kind of come from. Then we also spice things up with personnel moves, which is my favorite featurette. And that's basically not just saying who got a new job and celebrating that or kind of laughing at how did that happen or scratching our heads about what were they thinking, but it's also about how did it happen? I mean, what, what, Wow, wow. Let's look beyond the happy press talk about so-and-so got this great gig and go, how did that person get that gig? And maybe we can add some, some uh, you know, we can shine the flashlight on the behind the scenes of what might have happened with that. So that's why we kind of do that as well. Good, good. And then occasionally we also just uh, engage in total nonsense, you know, because... <laughs> except except when we have Ed Steeman on, because, you know, Ed's our auto expert. So we really do some... Uh, some quality uh, content when we get some outside speakers on, like Ed or Lucy Rice and and uh, and and others. We, we kind of break stride when we bring in true professionals. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, a real true professional in the business for a long time is a guy by the name of Fred Jacobs, and he's kind of upset the radio business lately because every year 
he does a what he calls a tech survey. And this is of Radio yep. P1 yep. listeners. It is comprised of research within uh, the database, email database of about 400 radio stations. So this is not a broad-based general audience survey. This is an in-depth of P1 radio listeners. And, you know, the truth is, again, kind of grim news for the radio business. We'll talk about some takeaways and what some good things to come out of it here as we get along. But as Fred says, the stress cracks in radio are beginning to widen seriously. And what are those stress cracks exactly? Well, just the same thing we've been talking about for some time. You know, we've got a business that's still struggling to get back to 2019 revenue and audience levels. Mm And that's, you know, that's not happening with one or two exceptions in in the business. And, uh, you know, radio's in-car usage continues to decline. According to Fred's database, eight in 10 of these people who are P1 radio listeners, basically, eight in 10 of them already have connected uh, phones to their cars. So, you know, the day when, you know, the radio dominated the dash, the center console, mm-hmm. uh, that's really quickly on the wane. Now, there are some upsides to this, too. The audience likes the personalities. That's an important thing. Now, (laughs) we both know what's happened to personalities in in most markets over the past 20 years. Yeah. They're gone. gone. Yeah, Yeah. they're gone. Or they're leaving. They're aging out. They're aging Um, out. Yeah. That's right. Or, and or, they're syndicated. And some of the syndicated shows are better than others, you know, but... But the personalities are important. Apparently, the music isn't as important as we like to think it is. And, and I think that the thing that is really paramount for radio in this whole process that Fred brings out is that we have to identify what digital can't do that radio locally can do. And, and part mm-hmm. of it's local. Give me a break. Everybody's been saying that for 20 years. Nobody knows what the hell it means. I'm not sure it's really relevant, but you really got to be good to be local. And and also being connected, you know, it's like Ed Steenman says, you know, he's always happy to hear a station come in and talk about something that connects the car dealerships that he works with to local community events, local community tie-ins. So that, yep. that's really important. I'll tell you what I've I, I've come I've come down to this conclusion, and in some ways maybe okay. we should just not do this anymore because <laughs> because the radio business is a fait accompli in some ways. Here's I, the big groups at this point don't care. Odyssey, iHeart, uh, Cumulus, you know, these guys with a big debt load, they don't care. They're just milking the cash cow. And that's all I see them doing. They're all very, very well compensated. And they get to ride this cash cow for as long as they can. They can just barely cover their interest rates. But as long as they can cover their interest uh, bets, and keep things floating. They all make a lot of money, and it's a it's a great life. Mm-hmm. And the banks and their their financing companies are getting enough in fees and that sort of thing that they're going along with it. But there's no real money or desire to actually reinvent much of a fading business. You know, that's they're just milking the cash. Now the smaller operators, there are kind of I see two kinds. One is there there's stations that are really good local stations. Saga's got some good local stations. In fact, most of theirs are very focused on radio. Companies like Big River down in the down in the southwest, southeast. These guys are doing real radio, but they don't have any debt. So they can, you know, they've got a lot more flexibility. 
So that's, I see the business in two separate things. And Fred's survey certainly reinforces that we're never going to get to the point where iHeart and Odyssey and Cumulus cut the commercial load to three spots an hour and raise the rates, mm-hmm. triple the rates. They're just not going to do that. You know that as well as I do. So unless there's a major recapitalization of the business, which is what happens when people go through bankruptcy and the whole thing collapses, I think this downward slide continues for a while. And anybody that wants to can see Fred's full report. It's at jacobsmedia.com. It's really an interesting study. He's been doing it for, I think, 10 or 12 Mm -hmm. years. So he's got some real good trend lines. And it's not encouraging Mm -hmm. for radio. And yet there's some lessons to be taken away from it that I think we should all listen to. So there, that's the end of my diatribe about the tech wow. survey. Wow. Yeah, that's that's big. Um, and well done. Well done. Yeah, Fred Fred is very highly thought of. Jacob's Media is very highly thought of. Uh, and I think what he's what he's trying to point out to people is it's and, and, and we like to say that we like to blame a lot of the problems on COVID and the lockdowns due to COVID, uh, how it changed listening and uh you know, changed our pattern, our work patterns and so forth. And as we get more back to normal and close to normal in a lot of places, you know, just, just go out and hit, hit the traffic on the 405 these days. It's worse than it's ever been. And probably the same thing on I-90 and the 520 and the 405 up where you are. So people are back driving. But the fact of the matter is, is that over the last decade, but certainly over the last four or five years now, we're starting to see this connected car phenomenon really kind of take over. And this is really what's affecting us. We talked about it when we talked about the NAB and about how it's all about the dashboard and how radio stays competitive. And what's interesting is I was reading a report over the weekend that was basically talking about how easy it is for manufacturers now. There used to be a three to five year cycle to get new equipment into the marketplace in your car, okay? Navigation systems, the connected that, you know, the, the Wi-Fi connections and, and being able to Bluetooth your phones and all that kind of stuff used to take three to five years to do that. Now, you take your car in for an oil change at the dealership and they update your uh, the operating system for your, your connected dash, you know, right there. And all of a sudden, you've got a whole new, you know, operating system going and it's all updated and it's all new and it's all upgraded and it's got all the new be- whiz-bang stuff. And all of a sudden, you're going, what the heck happened? I used to, you know... <laughs> Well, my car's different. And, you know, you're okay with that. Anybody that's got a Tesla knows that that car runs basically from the touchpad that's the, that's the computer screen in your dashboard. So I think what Fred's pointing out is, you guys, you got you to you gotta have some product that's compelling enough that people are going to fight through all of the choices that they have on their dash to get to KFI, to get to, you know. You know Wave uh, 101.5. The wolf. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. To get to that, because I really have to shut down my car play, basically, to get to the last station I played, you know, to get to, you know, KFI, you know. So it's it's really difficult. And he talks a lot about that. And I think this is important for us. Revenue wise, I think, you know, obviously we were declining. They say 2019 is the benchmark we're all trying to get. But 2019 was lower than it had been in 2018 and 16. You know, all the way, you got to go back to like the peak in the early teens, you know, so uh, comparing to 2019 isn't great either, but it's good enough for, uh, you know, the analysts. But Fred's study is really important. I think you're right. I think this, that we're, radio companies are trying to add on all these new tools, all these new products, you know, from podcasting to, you know, the streaming stuff to, you know, all this we're talking about, we'll talk about with Q and all this other in-dash stuff. 
But is it enough? You know, we're going to have to see. Well, let's turn the uh, page here on Media Insultant, and uh, let me let me ask you a question. The, the phrase "unleashing the power of content." What the hell does oh. that mean? What, what, oh, hey, I, I'm beyond excited. I can tell. <laughs> Unbridled excitement. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we were we were talking about putting the agenda together for for, for today's show, and there's, there's there were two 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 things that came out last week, big announcements last week, because Paramount Advertising is now out there. They had their upfront and they're doing, they're unleashing the power of content. Okay, is that, isn't that what NBC, CBS and ABC used to do? Unleash the power of prime time, I guess. But, it, and to me, it looks like a lot of recycled CBS TV content on Paramount and Paramount Plus. And so, but that this is a new advertising division that's gonna sell all of, their, all of this Paramount and CBS content. So I, I, I immediately asked because I'm, I'm an insultant. Well, what the hell do the CBS sales guys have have to sell now? I mean, well, I'm just out schlepping spots. Um, but it's their powerful and unique portfolio at Paramount Advertising of network, studio, and streaming brands that entertain, inform, and empower audiences. Okay, I get entertain and inform. But empower? Uh, yeah, come on. Yeah, B, BS, BS. So what they've done is that they've aggregated all their content now. And you can buy Paramount Plus. Apparently, you can watch CBS Network, Paramount Plus, Pluto, and all these other services and brands through IQ. Get it? The CBS I. Oh, Q? yeah, got it. Get got it? it. Okay, IQ. IQ is their cute name for their suite of streaming and creative ad solutions. So, you know, I, I just want I just want to pull my hair out because obviously this is another example of a major media company aggregating their content to go after programmatic and digital sales but digital ad budgets that they couldn't get because of the CBS television rep that's going out calling on the you know the the human rep calling on a human buyer for traditional budgets. Well, as that declines, hey, we've got IQ here at Paramount Advertising. So it's about making those sales calls to push their programmatic uh, and digital portfolio. And if that wasn't enough, they've just revamped Warner Brothers Discovery, right? Because Discovery bought Warner Brothers and CNN and all that. So we talked about that before. Now they have rebranded it as Warner Brothers Discovery Ad Sales. So now they're repping guess this, not five, not 10, not 20, but 58 different brands and channels. How confusing is that to a buyer? Well, it's okay. It's okay. Because Discovery ad sales still exists. Warner Brothers, Warner Media brands still exist. So those are people that are out selling, you know, traditional spots to traditional content, probably on cable mostly. Uh, And that includes HBO Max advertising. But Clearly, what they're doing is just like Disney is doing, like Paramount, CBS is doing, is that Warner Brothers Discovery is aggregating all of their content for a massive programmatic pitch to digital agencies and buyers, while they still have some other people calling on those those you know crusty old traditional budgets, you know. But it's amazing what's going on out there. I don't know if I'm gonna. I gotta ask you know my digital media friends, how, how do you keep track of all this stuff? I mean, I mean who? Who really? I mean, do you have time to meet all these reps and all these people coming in? So maybe they do. I'm going to find out. 
Well, and a couple of weeks ago, we raised the question when we said there were so many of these burgeoning platforms, 6,500 different choices that a marketer has. <laughs> so the question we raised was, is there going to be enough budget? Well, the IAB came forward here last week and said, yeah, there's almost $40 billion in video advertising, which is up 50% from 2020. So there's plenty of money sloshing around. And I think that's probably what you know, you're going to see is that Nobody's nobody's really doing one-on-one -on -one kind of negotiations. They're just throwing it all at the top of the funnel in the programmatic mix, and it's coming out the bottom. Yep. And it again makes makes it harder for the for the local sales guy to to compete on that platform. So, yeah, and and heaven forbid that we enter in a recession and we're you know stuck with not a lot of money sloshing around. So we'll have to see how these guys right. all survive. You know, um there's a guy here in Seattle who started a company years ago called Q Q U U Q. Uh and his name is Joel Harb and Joel Harb uh started this company and it was he he was initially going to do the kind of concept of if you're listening to the radio and you wanted to hear some more information on an ad, you punched his his app and that more information would come up. Well, it's matured a lot since then and gotten much more sophisticated. They're president of the company now. We hired Steve Newberry, who had been on the NEB board, was a local broadcaster, very, very good guy, very well respected to run the company. And now comes another well-known guy, a guy by the name of Pete Benedetti, who has taken over as VP of Revenue at Q. Uh, would you like to fill us in on this? Why would Pete be doing this? He owns a batch of radio stations. Well, because maybe they offered to pay him, <laughs> and so it might pay more than the the radio companies paying him. But in any case, yeah, and and Pete's a Pete's from what I'm told is a really good guy. And you know, I, I I first knew of Pete when he came in when Citadel bought the Sloan Broadcasting stations in Tucson, stations I'd worked at for a handful of years. Pete came in as the market manager when Citadel bought it, and then quickly recognized the fact that. My local sales manager at the time, then became a GSM under me, um, uh, Kenny Kowalczyk, was was really pretty good enough to run this this cluster himself. And he has for, I don't know, 25 years now. And Pete went on to corporate jobs. He ended up running New Northwest and other, you know, uh, radio, worked at other radio groups and ran stations. So he's a very competent guy. And he ends, and, and just last week, he ends up becoming, he's, he was becoming the VP of revenue at Q. I, I don't know how many Qs there are. But um, uh, so yeah, I got my I, I scratched my head a bit and I go, Pete, what are you doing, man? I mean, it's like I mean, you're running you're running your own group, which is called Always Mountain Time, which is uh, a handful of radio stations in Aspen, Glenwood Springs, Vail, Summit County, Steamboat Springs. So all great ski towns, seasonal markets, granted, very small markets, granted. But hey, it's a nice boutique group. And he was the, you know, he was the founder and CEO. Now he's still going to be the founder and CEO, but he's stepping aside from day-to-day -day duties. And someone named Krista Benedetti, could that be Mrs. Benedetti? I think so, has now been promoted to president and she's going to oversee day-to-day. -day. So I'm thinking that they offered Pete enough money to come off the beach and leave day-to-day -to, -day to, to Krista and 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 develop revenue for these guys. He might even gotten a, a you know piece of the action. Might even get some equity in it. I'm not sure, but they found a good guy who's really dialed into a lot of groups. They're working with a lot of groups already, so you know I, this must be one of those things where they want to take it to the next level. But the other thing that got me thinking too about Pete because here's he lives in Denver, 
you know, so here's a here's a very competent radio guy living in Denver, and we talked endlessly about two big market manager jobs in Denver last year, and that was with Odyssey and with Bonneville. And those jobs went, remember, they went vacant for a while. Right, right. And and, I, and Pete's, Pete's there. He's living there. So he, how come Pete didn't get one of those gigs? Oh, I don't think he wants that. I, I think this is, I think this is a, a sweetheart deal, and I think it'll be great because he's going to generate uh, revenue beyond the radio stations. He's going to find alternate revenue sources that Q uniquely will have the revenue source and bypass the radio stations. I'm not sure what that's going to look like, but kind of an NTR for Q. How's that? Yeah, yeah, and I think you're right that the last thing he wanted to do was go be a market manager for Odyssey or for Bonneville. <laughs> Been there, Been there done, done that, that, he's probably yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. And but but it, it also speaks back to the challenge that we have in radio, at least on the radio side of things, and to a certain extent in TV, but certainly in radio, is that in back in the day, you know, I don't know two weeks ago, maybe three years ago, is that you'd grab a Benedetti to run those market that market for you. For you know, hey, just will you run this market for me for three or five years? I'll pay you a ton of dough, you know, get this thing turned around, develop your replacement, and we're good to go. Pete didn't touch him. Yeah. Didn't yeah. touch him. All right. Well so, we good we, luck, have, Pete. we have run out of time again. In fact we are way over, but you know, what the heck? What are they gonna do? Cancel us? You know? We don't. We don't. <laughs> Our sponsors are going to be. Yeah, we, we don't have to hit the network at the top of the hour, so I think we're okay. We do each Tuesday and Friday a new episode of Media Insultant. If you have any comments, Jackson at Intown Media is a great place. We'd love to hear any thoughts you have. The podcasts, of course, available on any podcast platform, video on Vimeo, and we're a production of Intown Media, an interim consulting firm for broadcast operations. So Media Insultant will be back on Friday, Keith. We've got some more fun things planned. I will see you Friday, buddy. Have a great week, Jackson. See you then.